You're listening to the Bad Reputation Podcast, hosted by Todd Collins and sponsored by Anchor FM. If you haven't listened before, we've got two words for you. Listen up. From digital marketing tips, entrepreneurial stories, and more, you will get the most up-to-date info brought right to your ear. Follow Todd on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, and more at Todd Collins Official. Listen everywhere podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple, Roku, and more. Are you guys ready? Now, your host of Bad Reputation, Todd Collins. All right, guys, welcome back. It has been uh, a long time since I've done a podcast episode, but I really wanted to wait to come back post-COVID with someone who uh, not only inspires me as, as I follow them on social media, but someone who I believe brings a lot of joy and happiness constantly through their art. Uh, Jarrett Reddick, lead singer of Bowling for Soup. Thanks for joining me, brother. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. That was quite the intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I always try to give everybody the introduction that they deserve. I know that wasn't one that you get, you're used to from being on stage, but I try to keep it as, uh, as entertaining as possible. Awesome. One of the things that one of the things that I like about um, Jared, not only Jared, but but his band is that if you listen to their music, it is consistently positive. It, it mm-hmm. literally is one of those things where you cannot turn one of their songs on from any of their albums and not just like start to kind of like move around and dance and have fun and everything else like that. And a lot of the times we say that that's missing in music nowadays, where there's a lot of artists, um, you know, that I grew up with, you know, we were talking about Mike Rocco being one of them who is just an extremely talented young guy. Uh, well, I guess he's not young anymore. Cause again, he's around our age, but yeah, <laughs> talented guys. Yeah. Talented musicians, great vocalists, people like that, that did really, really well. And um, a lot of that's kind of like missing nowadays. It's a, it's a lot more like dance music and things of that nature, and which is okay, but it doesn't have the same pop punk feel that a lot of us like from the generation that we grew up with. So, um, you know, first off, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about what, you know, your, your early stages, like how did Bowling for Soup come to fruition? I really want to get into the entrepreneurial side of mm. you building that business. Cause that's really what it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, it, it, it was, it's funny because Bowling for Soup really, you know, was, it was my side thing to do for fun. I mean, I, I was an entrepreneur at the age of 17. I started my own business. It was a toy store. I started with my girlfriend's dad at the time. Um, and we basically were just hustling, trying to sell bikes and skateboards to kids on the side of the road. And it turned into a thing that we did for several years. And then after that, uh, you know, we went into business with his brother and I built houses and that went belly up, uh, so to speak. And, then I built above ground swimming pools. And uh, so at the end of all of that, uh, Bowling for Soup had been together for a couple of years, oh, going on a couple of years. Uh, I had two degrees in college uh, and had three companies that had closed down. And I was just ready to do something that I didn't, you know, I just throw caution to the wind. I sold everything that I owned, everything that I had left, I put into a little storage facility and we just went for it and uh it really wasn't supposed to be long term it was like hey let's just go enjoy this time of our lives and have a great time um you know but 
at that point was really when I had to start thinking about the band as a business and uh, just about, you know, uh, back then marketing uh, literally, you know, an, a mailing list, like a physical mailing list with a postcard that we lit- literally put a stamp on, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of these sure. every single month. And, you know, tried to like just in the ones of text to save some money. But like, if you've never done this, go into a post office. Well, don't just do it for fun, but going into a post office and asking for 5,000 stamps is a hilarious ordeal. I mean, it really is like they're, you know, and of course now we have systems where you can print that stuff and all of that. But, you know, we sat there and we did that once a month and uh, that was marketing at the time. Uh, merchandise, you know, was, has always been of a marketing thing. I, I'll tell you, I, uh, I've, I, I've, I've had several side bands uh, over the years and several projects and podcasts and things like that. And the one thing that I will say that I'm really good at is having merch before we ever even launch a product, you know, like when we, when we, when we come out of the gate, it's already swinging and like, why don't you already have a shirt? You know, because I've said that for years and years and years, my, my children grew up eating t-shirts and that's what they, that's, that's how we made our living. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, um, and now obviously we've been through so many changes We're we're about to turn 27 as a band. Uh, and so we've, you know, we, we've gone from, you know, pay phones to cell phones and pagers to texting and, uh, snail mail to email. And we've got, you know, and, and, uh, you know, finding clubs. We used to, their musician magazine used to put out the touring Bible every, uh, every year. And that's how you'd figure out what clubs you were supposed to go play. And then you're just cold calling clubs. And now, you know, it's touring isn't really a thing anymore, really for young bands. I mean, it doesn't really make any sense. Instead, you're supposed to be building your socials. And, you know, now here I am, I'm a 49 year old man and I'm, I'm, you know, trying to keep up with, with what I can do online uh, and, and through Instagram and uh, TikTok and things like that. And, and, you know, I, I understand that I'm pretty limited because I'm still, I'm still a creative guy and yeah. I still very much overwhelm myself in the world of uh, just creating as much stuff as I can. And so a lot of times there's not stuff, not time. It's like, I haven't done a TikTok video in months and I've got five or six like really good ideas, but, it's just the time involved in it, you know, and, and, uh, it's, yeah. It's, and I hear it's that a, well, juggle. I hear that from, I hear like, we, you know, we obviously, we own a marketing agency and that is like one, when we work with, with people, right. Like actual people that are wanting to build out like their personal brands and things of that nature. It all, that's always the, the, the top obstacle that they cannot get over is the time, the time situation. Right. And that's why it's, I, I believe it's always really good to kind of find a team that can help kind of take your ideas and facilitate them into the content that you need to be able to distribute, to be able to stay aware, right. Or top of mind to the people that are watching you. Although I think you're still doing a great job with it. One of the things that I wanted to point out within that, within that story arc that you were just talking about was in the very beginning, how, you had multiple failures from a mm. business standpoint and yeah. not at all. Am I, you know, waving a flag at that because myself, you know, if, if, historically, if you go back and look at the content that I started putting out in the very beginning, building out my brand, it was divorce. It was, you know, multiple businesses that, that went belly up. And I'm I, a lot of people would be like, well, that was cause your partner did this and your partner like, and I always go, look, man, I came from an age in a, in, in a, in a time 
especially thank God I had such great parents where they raised me where it's like, it wasn't anyone else's fault. You made all those decisions that led to that situation. So you can't blame a bad business partner or a bad spouse or whatever it is. You made those decisions to be there without those massive losses, be it a divorce, be it a a, a bankruptcy from having to just go, look, I've got nothing left. I can't do anything. Literally starting from scratch, just like you said, and throwing that care to the to the wind and just going, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do what I want. And if I can make it doing that, then I'm going to be happy. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. And it was really that same trajectory. Like you said, you just got there a little bit faster than I did, which is totally cool. Um, and we all find our different moments, but I, I think a lot of people really try to put the cart before the horse and they think that the success side comes really, really quick and fast. And if you interview anyone, be it myself, be it you, be it the multitude of other entrepreneurs out there and business owners out there, they're going to tell you, man, the story starts at like how many times I totally dropped the ball before yeah, I, I mean, got a sniff of it. 100%. And sometimes, you know, you know, it, it is your decision and sometimes factors in the world are just such where, you know, failure just happens. I mean, you know, I, I, I was successful in the toy store uh, industry until category killers came in and started, you know, Toys R Us, you know, th- those kinds right. of things came in. Now, back then you couldn't compete with that. Now, you, now somebody thinking about a toy store, you probably could actually go in and do something. You could t- do it unique, you know, house building, uh, there's other things and, and those things. And then, you know, like I said, that was three companies and then nine years in the van uh, in Boeing Pursuit before we ever got on a tour bus. You know, nine yeah. years of, of uh, making no money and just doing it because it's what we loved. And and uh, so, yeah, the, 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 hard, the hard work um, is the side of things I don't think that everybody sees, you know. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's just, it's an interesting thing. It's like, you know, when we signed our deal, we had been together six years. And we didn't have a hit for another three. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's, it's persistence is such an important aspect of all of it. And, and, you know, like you, you also have bumps in the road. I mean, in 2013, I had my divorce and two year custody battle. Yep. And I was, I was, I was breaking up the band to try to save a marriage that really I was only trying to save for the benefit of my kids, but less about really them, but more about the time that I was going to lose with them or the things that I wouldn't be there to influence, you know, it was yeah. it, it, a little bit of a twist in how that all works. Uh, in hindsight, you know, I, I, uh, I made a lot of good decisions, a lot of bad decisions. Uh, and, and I'm glad things went the way they are because I'm married to my best friend now. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that wouldn't have happened had I, uh, had I actually made that relationship work. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm the same, I'm in the exact same boat as you. I it was in the same situation from a divorce standpoint where, you know, I had the choice to be able to make it work or make it not work. And it, and I was just like, I was going myself, I'm like, am I going to, is it better for me to go? All right, this is going to suck for the next two to three years, mm-hmm. but in the long run, when I'm 50, 60, 70 years old, am I going to be happier here or there? And that's the way that I kind of, you know, projected it out and went, you know, which one's the right decision. And I did, I made the right decision. I was in the same situation as you, you know, I'm with my best friend now. I, I, I'm still a little gun shy. We've been together for 10 years. I'm still gun shy. I'm pulling the trigger on the wedding thing. Yeah. All my mentor, all my, all my business mentors are like, dude, just 
fucking do it. My girl is super cool. Nikki's really yeah. cool about like not pressuring me into that. Cause my biggest fear is always like, you know, and you know, this going through divorce, like if, what if it doesn't, what if, what if you screw it up again, then you really start questioning it, you know, yourself going, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And yeah. I know, you know, we, we screw, try to screw ourselves, you know, in our head like that. I'm going to totally divert real fast because I'm a massive, massive nostalgic toy fan. There's a buttload of TikTok guys that uh, uh, do a great job of, of doing overviews of toys from the 80s, uh, late 70s, 80s on TikTok. And I mean, you can just go down the rabbit hole with it. These guys are amazing. They've redone their basements to look like our basements would look when we were younger. Like remember like the mustard and green carpet and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. totally. The toys are so different now, right? And I try to explain this to Renner, my youngest son. He's, he's going to be eight. Um, try to explain it to him now, like the, the detail and the amazement that went into the toys that we had growing up, like the, the metal transformers. And I mean, the, the, the amount of detail that went into them, what kind of like toys did you guys have in the toy store? I'm just curious. And if you could pick, let's say like three toys that you could have taken to the toy store and had right now, I would love to know what those three toys were. Or yeah, we were, you know, like I said, we started out as bikes and skateboards. It was things that you couldn't buy at Walmart and Target really were our mm-hmm. thing. So I made, I made shitloads of money on stocking stuffers because we could have like little small things that again, those bigger stores really couldn't compete with us right there. So people would come in and stuff stockings and spend hundreds of bucks doing that. Um, you know, and I, and we went through, through a lot of trends. I mean, you know, I had the toy store during the first phase of pogs, power rangers um toy story og um you know all of that stuff i you know but i also saw and i sold light brights and uh you know but i also had the stuff like you see in the mall the dog that walks and then does a backflip and i uh, you know those kinds of things and um you know so whoopee cushions and switchblade combs and you know the full that you know it's just it, casey and i were talking about this my wife and i were talking about it the other day it's you know, I guess the, the the best example of how toys compare these days to me in my head right now, because we just talked about it, is a box of Cracker Jacks. Yep. Yeah, you used to buy a box of Cracker Jacks and like, you'd get like, it'd be small, but like you'd get a yo-yo or- Legit toy. Or like a legit, or, you know, and tattoos, which you still get, but you'd get a book of tattoos, man. Yeah. Or you'd get like a top. You know, now they can't give you that stuff because someone will sue them because somebody chokes sure. because, you know, they, you know, it's like that. So take that and just explanate a box of Cracker Jacks into the fucking whole world of toys. And just that's what the difference is. You know, it's like the fact that you can't, you know, it's it it just sucks that, you know, our kids will really never know. I don't even know what they do now. I guess they play army, but we played cowboys and Indians and there was no weirdness to it. It's just what you did. And it was great fun. And, and, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. And also toys were different back then too, because we did a lot of shit by ourselves. Like, you know, know, you, my parents didn't sit down and play with me. That wasn't a thing. I'm not saying that no parents did, but I'm saying that me and my friends, we were shoved at the door at daylight and we went home at dark and it was like, go find something to do. No question. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little story, which is really funny about this. So, so we have a, we, we have a huge, huge, I mean like acres of woods behind us at, you know, in our yard, in our backyard. 
Renner and the neighbor go down to the creek that's down. There's a huge creek and they go crayfish hunting. Now we did this when we were growing up. Like we would go out and look for crayfish. They bring the crayfish, he brings crayfish back. They bring it into the kitchen. And I guess the the kid who's older next door was like, you know, we got to cut these crayfish up, man. And we got to make like crayfish pie. And I'm like, (laughs) now I remember like my neighbors, like specifically doing that. Right. Like I remember the dad was like, you guys catch them. I'll make it. And it was like a chicken pot pie with crayfish meat, like, which for Maryland, I mean, like we eat crabs, right? Like steamed crabs are like, like, I don't know if you like steamed crabs or not, but like, yeah, of course. Yeah. They're amazing. And by the way, down here, we call those crawdads. Yes, correct. Okay, so you crawdads, right? <laughs> yeah. So they they start chopping the heads off of these of of the crawdads crayfish, and Nikki loses it. I mean, loses it. You're killing the animals, and da, da, da. and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm like, these are steam. Th- imagine this being a steam crab. I was like, we do this every single day. We represent all these restaurants that have steam crabs. We we do all this. I said he's not doing anything wrong, and we were in a. It was a very like the decisive you know, ethical battle of was he doing something wrong or was he doing something, you know, okay. And I really defended him on that okay thing. I'm like, this right here is exactly what we did when we were growing up. And that is missing from what he would be doing if he were sitting in his room, watching his iPad right now, falling down the YouTube rabbit hole. I'd much rather him go out and find these crayfish and do this. You know, somebody's going to do it anyway. Kite string and, and some bacon, man. You just, uh, that's your, that's your fishing. You, you throw the tie the bacon onto the kite string, put it by the hole, and they come right out, and you get them. Do you and, think pogs? I, I'm, and my ADD will totally kick in here. Do you think pogs will ever make a comeback? I guess they sort of did. Um, you know, again, first wave, uh, which is either late '80s or early '90s. I have trouble kind of keeping that straight. I think early '90s. I want to say uh, early '90s. Yeah, yeah, early '90s. Um, you know. It was big. I mean, I had in, in the toy store, I had three 11 foot horse troughs mm-hmm. that we had from tractor supply and they were full and kids would just come and dig and dig and try to find the ones that they wanted. And, you know, it's like anything else. We would put really, really good ones in there, you know, and yeah. then we'd sprinkle it in with filler. Uh, obviously you could never do that now. I mean, you're with COVID that you, you're never going to yeah. have that kind of thing ever again. You had to have a good slammer. Like I'd have a good slammer and, and, you know, so we had set, we had different rules. Like we'd have pong tournaments and I'd have like weight classes for your slammer, you know, yeah, because it has got to be to where they'd be like that big. And yeah, it, it just was ridiculous. It got ridiculous, dude. Yeah. It, got, it, 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 it was over-marketed like everything else. And, and it's funny because Gary, Gary Vanderchuk says it's better than anybody. My friend Jason's one of his content creators and he yeah. says it better than anybody. He's like, marketer, marketers kill everything. They ruin, they ruin everything. And right. that's exactly what happened. Kids were asking for bigger slammers. And I remember like the one I ended with, I think he was just like a, was like a Terminator one, man. And the thing was like yeah. this thick. And I would just be like, whack and crush yeah. everybody we were playing. It was crazy. Yeah, you're so right, too. And, 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 you know, and the more access that marketers have to people, the quicker things go now. But it's like, you know, if you just take fidget spinners, for example, like how quick that happened, like yeah. it happened so fast that it was sort of happening over that Christmas. There were a few kids that were getting them in their stockings or whatever. By summer, 
I had finally gotten my Bowling for Soup fidget spinners in, and we're starting Warp Tour, and nobody wanted them anymore. You nope. know, it was just like, I just got a shitload of fidget spinners. Let's rock. And everybody was like, nope. yeah, we're into the next thing, you know? They did They did really well for a while, and I will tell you, and, and they were smart about it, how they did it. They, they At one point, they were very limited supply of them because it was such a bum rush to get them, and, and these guys were that got their hands on them were jacking the prices up. I mean, I remember at some points, you know, as a parent, you know, you don't want to say no to your kids. If something like sure. Is out sure. and you have the ability to buy it. I'm, I remember spending easily seven to $10 on one fidget spinner. Oh yeah. Totally. No yeah. question. Not yeah, even I, question. Yeah. I, I, I know some people that got up into like the $20 area, yeah. you know, there's like a flea market that happens once a month here and the guy had them. It's like, what are you going to do? Some of you them know. were really, really good. And I know that there were some doctors that, you know, stated uh, that it really helped with, with kids that dealt with like anxiety disorders and like attention yeah. deficit disorder and stuff like that. I mean, it's, those are two things that I suffer from myself. I mean, I, won't say, I, I don't want to say I suffer from them because I don't. They definitely are a positive attribute to my personality. It's just a lot of the times you just can't see it, right? It would just be more of the creative side, really, when the juice gets flowing, that's when I start doing really well and it really helps me. But It's a superpower that you have to learn to control. Yep. And my son has ADD, uh, but he's brilliant. It's just, he can't, it's, he's, he's eight. He's learning to, to shut off all this other stuff, you know, because that he can be focused on something and the dog barks and that's it, man. Like his concentration yep. for the next hour is gone and getting him back into it. So like you said, you're, you you've learned now as, as you've grown and as you've learned and as you've processed, you know, you have to, you have to be able to control that superpower. And once you do, you know, from a creative standpoint or whatever it is that, that, uh, you know, your makeup makes is strong inside you. Uh, it's, it's a pretty fascinating thing to watch, man. It yeah, really is. It is. You become hyper, like once you find something that you're, that you really like, um, you become hyper-focused on it. And it's something that, you know, most people don't, aren't really able to kind of like get into, but I will right. say you know, the same thing with your son. Like it's a sense, it's almost like a sensory overload. Like if there's too, like, if there's a lot of loud, not, I don't want to talk about music because music's different. But if there's a lot of loud talking around, if I'm in a room and there's like 16 people talking, I got to get out of that room. And I know that about myself now that I've got to get out of that room because I cannot focus on the person that I'm talking to. It's almost, sure. it's almost like Elon Musk with Asperger's where I'm like, literally, I can't look at the person in the face because I'm trying to figure out everything else that's going around me. So as he gets older, he'll 100% figure it out and figure out what works for him because everybody's different. Like, yeah, just, totally. like, yeah, yes, you know we, what I mean? Like, parents, we, can, alone. we can just give him the tools that he needs. You know, he's on a, he's on a really cool program at school and he's, yep. you know, we're making sure that he's engaged when he's supposed to be engaged. He gets frequent breaks and special seating and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's working. So, you know, it's, my wife has the same situation. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard for her because she can just watch it in him, you know, and it just breaks yeah. her heart because she's, no, I know exactly here. how that yeah. And I mean, I remember for a long time, I was the same way. Like I, I, I like blamed myself. Like I would, be, yeah. I would sit there with the doctor and I'd be like, this is all because of me. And then like, maybe like my dad and like his, and the doctor would li literally say to me, he's like, this has nothing to do with you. Sure. Like it has yeah. nothing to do with you. He's like, it is what it is. It's a chemical imbalance in the brain that to be quite honest with you, if he were living in the 1200s, 1300s, 1400s, 
he would end up being, you know, a warrior and it would completely be the best thing for him to have this, you know, trait in his brain. So they were just like, it's just an evolutionary thing. You just have to understand that everyone's set up differently and this is how we cope and, and we get them to grow with it and learn that they can live with this, you know, and I don't even call it a disability because there's, Oh, yeah, no. so yeah. many things that you get from a positive side of it it's not even funny and you just need to learn how to use it Absolutely. um mo- moving into to you know i guess the the one of the things that you brought up was the merchandising side of bowling for soup and how you guys always kind of had your merch and your shirts and your everything else like that ready to go i feel like yeah. a lot of brands drop the ball on that not only personal brands but a way to really help monetize what you're doing. And that's, I believe that's probably done really well for you guys, right? You guys have been able to always be creative in the side of going, all right, let's monetize the attention that we have right now. Yeah. I mean, you have to, and you know, live performances, quite frankly, you know, it's hard to even just pay for your expenses, you know, your bus and your crew and your hotel for your driver and then commissions for management attorney agent, you know, it, that money goes really quick. And so, you have to be smart at the merchandise stand and you know, you have to be very thoughtful about it too. Like, you know, what did we have last time we were in this city? You know, it's, it's because if, if the number one shirt is something that we're still pushing, then we need something else. You know, uh, obviously these other ones didn't work last time we were here. They're not going to work here. And it's funny geographically how something will be super hot as we're going. And then all of a sudden it's like, now they want the red one. I don't know. It's, yeah. you know, and you, you know, it's just a, it's a constant evolution of just, uh, you know, trying to predict and trying to remember and, you know, um, there's some trial and error that happens, but, you know, every once in a while you find a, find a really good one and it sells everywhere and it sells online and, you know, it's, uh, that, you know, that you, that pays the bills. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I would compare yeah. that to really to, in, in, you know, a good friend of mine, owns a owns a seafood restaurant and a lot of uh, you know him and I had talked about marketing for a really long time and he's been really successful online with it uh, and we still work together to this day and he has always modeled everything after uh, the WWE he's always everything that he's done has modeled everything after wrestling and he was like Todd if there's one thing that you can keep an eye on and I'm I am a huge gigantic wrestling mark um, and that's how you know I'm a wrestling mark because I said wrestling mark um, that he was like, watch what WWE does. And then like, he's like literally use that same formula for any brand and it works every single time. And a perfect example of what you just said from a standpoint of locale and area and stuff like that is when they have Brock Lesnar and they had um, his, um, I can't remember what he was doing, but he was, he was, it was a suplex city, suplex city bitch. Those suplex city bitch t-shirts, each city that they visited, they would rebrand the t-shirt to match the city's colors of, let's say an athletic team or whatever it was in that particular town they were. And that shirt was their number one seller. They did the same thing with Cena, same situation. If they were in a specific city, they would change the color to match. Let's say if they were in Baltimore, they would change it to a match of orange and black, right? Mm -hmm. And people that were Orioles fans would go grab it. It's another reason why I think the NWO was such a such a good good grab. Same reason the Bullet Club is such a great grab with New Japan Wrestling. They they were able to 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 make sure that the the locale and and geo area that they were in matched the merchandise that they were selling. And so I yeah. think same situation with you guys. You guys knew in that area that yeah. that's one particular shirt would sell, right? Well, and or quite similarly, 
quite simply, you can predict the the bestseller by putting the name of the city on there. That's why people do it, right? You you yeah. uh, you put tour dates on the back, and all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what's on the front. Everybody wants that on the back to uh, to represent that. So you know, like, and, and so and there's a few bands that are taking it a step further. I, I I think that I'm about ready to start doing this. I was a little leery of it before, but you know, you basically the descendants when i saw them last time they have a few area specific shirts that are available at the merch at each show and when they're gone they're gone so you know they came through here and they had uh, the descendants the last time they were here the descendants logo was of of the band hagfish who's from here and who has toured with them a bunch right and you know those things just go like that and um so, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a matter of just be, it's, and then, you know, it even comes down to music. It's like, um, you know, if I have a song that mentions Dallas or something, and then, you know, yes. they're, they're, they're trying to push it in Austin. Well, the Austin guy will go, can we get a version where you say Austin? Cause it's going to get a lot more people to pay yeah. attention. And so that's just easy, you know, making, making people feel like they're a part of something, whether it's a piece of clothing or, or a song or whatever, you know, um, and, and, quite honestly you know it's sort of it's sometimes a lot of times that's an afterthought you know i've created something here and then i go oh okay well wait a minute we could we could adjust that a smidge and then uh and go from there. and and you know like uh you know i mean for example like i'll i'll spell i'll spell words different in the uk yeah. you know favorite you know i'll put the ou in there if i have to you know and uh and because that way, it, again, it, 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 yeah. Here in Canada, you can put Z instead of Z. Mm-hmm. You know what's 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 interesting is so you know obviously one of the one of the the most successful songs that you guys had was 1985, mm-hmm. um, and I did a, a YouTube video, and I still talk about this a lot is nostalgia marketing, and I I, I still believe that that particular song is one of the best proofs of nostalgia marketing, right? You guys were able to take a song, tap into the nostalgia of our age demographic at that same point in time where there was a generation that was listening to your music as well as was, was uh, they were familiar with those things that were being spoken about in the lyrics of the song and it was able to really tap into people's nostalgia. And they're like, oh my God, do you remember that? This, that, and everything else. Right. That I believe is one of those songs where you can, you could, right? Change the words slightly without, without messing the song up, right? And I think right. I sent you this TikTok of these guys. I, I don't even know if you saw these guys, but the TikTok of those, those three guys that redid the song, I guess what they did is they just brought it up to speed or mm-hmm. brought it up to, to current events and they actually did not do a bad job. Um, yeah. But I thought, it, I thought it was it, great. It exists in a bunch of areas. There's a lot of people that are doing that for 1999. And I mean, yeah, uh, yeah 1999 and 2009. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where the idea is there. You just basically kind of run with it and change the people. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's super flattering to see. The guys that you sent me, though, was really good. And uh, He was good, dude. He was yeah, really good. Yeah. And the other cool thing is, like, you're not, like, a dick about it, right? Like, most people, there, there are some artists that would be like, fucking rip it off my fucking song. Uh, like, yeah. like, you know, you're like, dude, that's fucking awesome. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, there's, 
that's the best that's the best form of flattery right. man it's, it's of uh course, man. To me, and I, I loved it. yeah yeah let's, for sure man let's let's talk let's talk about that you know because that that song you know the, you guys had a ton of so- other songs obviously that I had already put you on the map. People knew who you were. You guys were touring. Yeah. You guys were doing a lot of stuff. Um, but but that song, obviously, like I mean, it was it was gangbusters, man. Yeah, like, it, it, it's as big as big. I mean, uh, you know, we had had "Girl the Bad Guys Want" that was that was really successful, yep. Grammy nominated, uh, yep. punk rock one hundred and one that was really really successful for us. Uh, you know, and the bitch song, uh, even if we go that far, far back over in Europe was huge. And so we had had, you know, some success, some good commercial success. Um, we were on, on the map. Yeah. Um, we, we recorded, you know, the majority of a hangover you don't deserve was done and, um, get a phone call. Uh, and it's, uh, my, A&R, it's actually my A&R guy and, um, Jonathan Daniel, who manages Butch Walker, he owns Crush. Yeah, um, yep. So, yep. So he owns Crush Management that has, I mean, everybody you can imagine that's big. They do it now. Um, and he's like, man, there's this song you need to hear. It's, uh, it's you know, it's written by um, Mitch Allen from SR71. And uh, so I was like, yeah, okay, I know Mitch. That sounds great. And uh, so I listened to it. I, you know, at first I, I was like, I don't know, man. I, you know, because their version of it um which is what i heard is pretty like there's some stuff in there where i'm like i don't know if i would really say that you know kind of thing um but after a conversation with mitch and my drummer gary i was like well shit let's just give it a shot but you know i want to have my way with it i want to make it sound like bowling for soup yeah right uh, lyrically uh you know feel wise and all of that and and mitch was super cool about it and so you know, quite frankly, I really thought, you know, we had almost on the next record in Ohio and Trucker Hat and some, th- you know, I thought we had a lot of, a lot of bullets in the gun, so to speak. Oh yeah, you did. Um, and that record was enormous, but there's no denying just how that song connected and connected so quickly and good on the radio. But then that video that we made i mean we just made the perfect video for it at the time and it just all of it mixed together in this just the way that that singles used to work back then and it yep. just happened you know it worked and so you know definitely by far our biggest hit definitely by far still to this day like the song that you know people are waiting to hear and you know um you know, one of those where you just like, uh, those, those don't grow on trees, you know, and, no. uh, very, very lucky that everything, and Mitch would tell you the same thing, you know, I mean, SR 71 had done it and released it in Japan and really no hopes of it, it even really finding its way yeah. into the world. But it was this, this idea of, he, of Jonathan Daniel going, man, that sounds like a Bowling for Soup song. You should, and it just goes to show you how smart that motherfucker is, man. He, he, uh, that, that dude is the, is the reason that, the two little fuses connected and made that spark, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the rest is history. We, we, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're about to turn 27 as a band and um, you know, things are better now. Our crowds are bigger now. Well, pre COVID, but it, it's still looking good now based on sales of upcoming shows, but crowds are bigger now than they were 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, it's that, amazing loops back around to what you were talking about with nostalgia 
you know, now not only do we have nostalgic music and these hits that are sort of timeless within our genre, but now our genre is making a comeback. So yeah, 100%. 20 years after the, the actual like birth of pop punk, which not necessarily that there weren't pop punk bands, but the explosion of such 2000s, early 2000s, it's back now. And not only are those bands all still delivering and it's all still around and we're all, you know, out there fighting a good fight. There's young bands that are picking up that torch and just taking off and running with it too. And it's just all helpful. And, and nostalgia plays a really important role in it. It really does. It's amazing watching just like the evolution of it, right? Like I know, you know, I, I started snowboarding when I was like 12, 13 years old, skated for a really long time. Um, uh, snowboarding just came a lot easier than skating. And I, for me, you know, I watch, you know, back then I say back then, but like back when I was 13, 14 years old to do a backflip was like fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. like now, so like, right. And I like, now I'm like going up the lift and I'm like with like my kids and they're like, we're watching the kids in the park. And I mean, they're just pulling off like the craziest shit and like even the kids like jake rupp who was a a a kid that i grew up with in high school ended up um going pro for element and he was on the same team as bam and uh tosh townsend a lot of really good guys that came that came onto that team um nigel was was on that team um and jake we were from a small town like in in maryland i mean like for him to be selected into that group was he had to be good and he really was and he actually still is to this day um but again, it, it was really just watching the where he was amazing back then. But then you watch these kids now, like Naja, you watch mm-hmm. him. And, I mean, if we were sitting here with Jake, Jake would be like, this guy was fucking crushing us, like yeah. destroying us. And he still is like, yeah. and you know, it, it just, it's, it's amazing the evolution of what we do. Yeah. They grab little things from us when we were younger. Like we may have helped come up with a trick or you might have come up with a specific um way of writing music or the way that it sounded and they'll grab a little bit but they take it to a whole nother level sure. yeah and and i don't know if that is if that's natural evolution or if that's has a little bit to do with technology of everything or whatever it is but there's no question that these kids now um and i did again i always find it funny when we talk like this like these kids now um they just they just take things to another level whether it's music art i mean anything it's the it's the marching band theory uh yeah and this is this is mine actually uh you know i think back to when i was in marching band in the late 80s and the stuff that we did and just how badass we were and we won all these competitions and you know you see footage of bands in like the 60s and the 50s and you just like what are they doing you know i mean that looks silly and then you go to a high school football game now and see what the marching bands are doing 35, 40 years later. And it's it's like, what the fuck is how are they, how is that possible? Like they're yeah. they're they're cre- it's like they're creating a Broadway play out there during halftime. I mean, it's nuts, but that's the same thing with you know, with kids that are recording. You know, uh, and here's another thing for you. Like I always made it a point anytime anybody handed me a CD or a cassette back in the day i i listened to it i really did and a few times like i would go holy shit that's amazing and i you know contact them or whatever and whatever stay stay current with them it is insane though how after you know the mac and 
you know, the digital world started, yep. how different those demos started to sound. Like we would get, we, we would get demos in 2005, 2006 that sounded better than our first record. Like yeah. it was, what the fuck is going on? Of course, now when somebody hands me a CD, I say, I'm going to not take that. And I don't mean to be a dick. I just don't own a CD player. There's no, right. I, don't, I don't have one in my car. I don't have an audio file. No, there's, I have zero, zero ways to play said CD. So if you're on Spotify, just tell me the name and I'll go listen to yeah. it. Which just shows us where, where we are now, right? In like the technology world. So a perfect example would be like this interview, right? Like, and how we connected. Like it was me, obviously, you know, following you and then me say, just reaching out to you and saying, hey, I would love to have you on the episode. Like love yeah. the stuff that you're doing right now. Like this, and, and you hit me back. And, uh, and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, look, the connect the, the 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 a lot of people you know are really down on social media and i'm just like you guys aren't utilizing it the way that you should be utilizing it if you could if you would be be cool right and just be like hey look i would really i really want to you know tell, help tell your story and spread it to the people that i think would benefit from it i think this is really a really great way to do it but us being able to connect right would would most likely not happen without that social media element being there and sure. everyone has the ability to do that nowadays. They just don't take that next step. They don't know that you're just a really nice guy. And you would be like, yeah, you know what? I'll totally do it, dude. It's totally cool. Same thing with um, Chase from Outer Banks, right? We had a, I had a client who was, who wanted to reach out to him and he was, they're on Netflix and the kids from Maryland. And he, we reached out to him and he was like, yeah, man, he's like, send us some stuff. You know, we'll do a couple of Instagram posts with it. And guy's got 6 million followers or whatever it is. And I'm like, you guys don't ask. That's your biggest problem. You sit there and you're like, I wonder if, and they never take the chance with opportunities. And that is really one of the biggest failures of that entrepreneurial side is that, that, that unwillingness to take the risk is, is, is really what leads to the unhappiness down the road um, is, is they just reflect back and they're like, man, I have so many regrets. I wish I would have asked that question. They just don't ask it. And I mean, you know, and it's, it's a never ending thing too. I mean, I, I do the same thing for my podcasts, you know, I mean, I, Rockstar Dad Show started out as us, you know, just doing interviews with our friends who are dads, but you know, you run out of those pretty quick. Uh, sure. And then it's, you know, let's shoot for the moon. So, you know, you, you just never know who's going to answer you back. Uh, and sometimes that's quicker than a publicist, to be honest, you know, you can I, I just, agree. And I don't even know if you even really need that anymore. Now, you know, it's like, you just do it, do it yourself. So, which gets me into the Alexa Bliss thing, because yeah. again, huge WWE fan, love what they're mm-hmm. doing with her character currently. I think the current, yeah. the current arc with her character, um, big fan of, of the fiend. Um, I think Bray, you know, Bray Wyatt's character is I mean, amazing. And he's a great talent. His dad was an amazing talent as IRS. Um, again, nobody's going to know these things other than you know, <laughs> yeah. what wrestling is, but her, right. current, her current arc is awesome. How did that all kind of come to fruition? Um, man, honestly, I, um, I, I was at a wrestling event. My kid who's 15, um, he just got into wrestling several years ago. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he was really into it and, so wrestling came through here and I was like, well, shoot, I'll get tickets. I'll take you. So, uh, I, I was a wrestling fan back in the eighties, but right. I, I'm not 
it's it's i just it i just i mean i like it i love the storylines and stuff like that when i'm watching with him or or you know obviously i love all the comments and seeing how lexi's doing and stuff like that but i um yeah i but i did know of alexa bliss i didn't know her name i oh nothing sorry uh alexa is right over there and she thought i was talking to her <laughs> um, so i uh I basically she came out big intro and I said oh that I know that girl she likes my band and he goes no really how do you know and I go well look and you can you can do this yourself just well now I'm sure it's probably harder to find because there's so much with but you used to type Alexa Bliss Bowling for Soup and that would come up her, her pictures would come up and I would later find out she had gotten this shirt at uh, we were the first concert she ever saw, and the last concert she ever, she saw before she left Columbus to go to uh, the WWE. That is uh, so funny. And she had kept this shirt, and she did a photo shoot, like a super very nice photo shoot in this shirt. And so I showed it to him. He goes, "Well, you should DM her." And I go, "Yeah, I mean, what are you? I, a, I had to have him explain what a DM was." <laughs> and so uh, I think I hit her on Twitter. Uh, it might have been Instagram. I don't know. It wasn't MySpace, but one of those. And I, uh, I just said, "Hey, that was awesome. I'm here with my kid. He thinks it's really cool that you know who my band is." And like instantly, she answers back and just goes, "Oh my God, are you here? Are you backstage?" And I go, uh, "No, I'm kind of up in the nosebleeds." Anyway, we kind of talked back and forth, and she was like, "If you ever want to come to something or whatever, just let me know." So. Fast forward, I took her to the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia that year. I took, took my family to the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia that year. We, she got us backstage, took us. We met all the wrestlers. It was great. My kids were my... Did you were super daddy. Oh, my God. They didn't know what to do. I mean, they met everybody but John Cena. Like, it was it was crazy. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, she then we continue to be friends. She came out to a show. Her favorite songs were all the bad guys want. I brought her out on stage at the show. People went nuts. And uh, finally, I was just like, man, you know, wrestling has all of this cock rock. But you know there's pop punk fans that love this, that love wrestling. I'm just going to write a song for her. And so me and my friend Linus wrote this song for her. Uh, Bowling Pursuit recorded it. And uh, I sent it to her on her birthday and she sent me back a video of her crying and uh, she was very happy. And she came to my house, we did the video, you know, we, and we, we were good friends now. And what, what's the most insane part of this whole story is to me is that now she's engaged to Ryan Cabrera. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have, I've known that kid since he was 16 years old here in Dallas playing in Rubik's Groove. And like, I mean, like, that's my boy. Like I, yeah. I, and I buy that, I mean, like, He's almost like my son, you know? And uh, anyway, I mean, just the fact that that all worked out or whatever. He's massively so, um, underrated, by the way. That kid's 100%. underrated. And the thing about him, too, is his philanthropy and the things that he does for yeah. other people. I, I think a lot of people don't know. Uh, he's a really good human being, despite, yeah. you know, he, he kind of plays up this whole, you know, goofy hat and tattoos and stuff. On, on But he's a sweetheart. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, actually, through the um, through the quarantine, through the that they, we we did game nights with them quite often, and uh, and you know they're they're uh, they're good friends. But you know, the WWE was great. 
she took it into Vince McMahon herself. I guess a promotion guy was going to do it. And she was like, no, fuck that. I'm walking this in. So she walks it in. And his response to the song was, you know, why can't every girl be more like Alexa Bliss? You know, yeah. she was, he was, see? And uh, they were rad, man. They, they, they allowed her to be in character in the video. And I had never asked for that. That was all Alexa. She, she made all of that happen. So, and it's so uh, funny that that all came to fruition through your son saying, yeah, you should DM hit her. Up. Yeah. He goes, you should just hit her up and see like if she really, and, and I had seen, so obviously once I figured that out, figured out that she had done that, that, you know, me and him were up there and I, so, you know, you can search Twitter and see if she's ever hashtag or, or put bullying for Steven. And it was sure. really funny because there was a thing from her back in high school where she's just like, Sitting in this math class, super miserable, but listening to Bowling for Soup, which makes me happy. You know, it's just like little stuff like that where it's like, I, you know, I was like, I, she's obviously a fan. And, you know, there's there's a lot of famous people out there that like my band. You just don't necessarily expect them to write you right back like that. And uh, sometimes they do. You know, you never know. Well, you know, it, it's funny because at the end of the day, like it really, to her, to, to your son, she's she's a celebrity she's on tv she's a wrestler yeah. this that and everything it's a big deal right yeah. for her you are yeah. a big deal a celebrity this that and everything right so it's like it would be like if i don't know paul mccartney dm doing was like hey jared gotta gotta tell you i really really like that song that you put you're gonna be like whoa yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like, she, was, she she admits being starstruck when she met me what? and i admit not really. I mean, I didn't really know. I don't didn't know. I mean, I just knew that my kid really liked her, you know, right. and, and, you know, I think because good of that, reason. we became fast friends and, uh, but you know, he's in the video. My son is, uh, is, is in the video with her and got to do all that. And that's his bedroom that they're in. And, and, you know, got to sit in the car with her and he had a blast and, you know, that's not even his thing. He's not even into that kind of shit, but I was like, dude, I'm going to hire an actor. You want to just be in the video? You have to listen to me, and uh, you can't bail out at the last minute. And he yeah, was right. like, "Okay." I mean, so, and, uh, but yeah, it worked out. So, for anybody listening, I just really want you guys to take that second and think about again, not only how you know IBM Jared, but how the same situation where it was it, all all it took was a simple reach out. 50-50 chance. You either might get it or you might not. It doesn't matter. But if you don't take those opportunities to be able to do that and take advantage of the connections that you can make with these people, you have no idea. I mean, if I'm in a city where Bowling for Soup is playing live, bet, trust that I'm going to DM Jarrett and be like, dude, I'll pay for the tickets, but just get me yeah. something good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing about me you'll 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 know is that I never take from my friends. I'm always like, what can I give back? I'll never go to any of my restaurant clients yeah. and ask for free food. I will say, let me pay for it and let me tip that server or that bartender. I don't yeah. drink, but you know what I mean? Like you always want to yeah. be, be able to be, be able to do those things. So I, I just think it's awesome. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you know, to your point, you know, through all of this and I'm not the hardest person to find, I've got, you know, 30, seven or 38,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. Like my inbox isn't overwhelmed. Now I will say that, you know, on all platforms, they, 
I only see a certain percentage of the messages. So I kind of have to go in sometimes and look through and see, you know, what so you know, there. you can connect all those. See, there's things that you can learn here. You can connect yeah. all those. So you have it in one inbox where you can go through all your messages and, and right. answer the people. And it's a lot. I mean, I'm sure it's a it lot. Is a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It, it's, it's a lot. But what I will say though, is I ended up, you know, doing features on, I think five or so bands that just reached out to me. And, and I was like, Hey, I like that song. And uh, so I'll do that boy blue from New Jersey. And then Chad Tepper hit me up and he, this is even crazier because I didn't know that my son remotely knew who Chad Tepper was. I did this Chad Tepper song with him and then I sent it to my kid and I go, Hey, he was in that Jake Paul, Logan Paul world, but he's, he's a, his own artist now, whatever. And my son was like, that's my favorite YouTuber. And so he and Chad talked back and forth. Chad just sent him a skateboard and, you know, you, again, you just never know. Like that dude hit me up and, and was just like, Hey, I'm a huge fan. You know, would you want to, and I'm like, you know, sure. Mr. Million followers on YouTube, I'll sing on your song, you know, and turns out he's a fucking fantastic dude. Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, we're now in that you're, you're in that space now where you're looked at as, you know, an, an experienced elder in the community of music yeah. and these guys are going to come to you and they're going to say, you know, what, you know, what, what do you do in a situation like this? And so I think it's really, you know, sometimes it's good for you to be able to go to be that mentor for a lot of these guys and be like, look, man, I know a lot of people are going to tell you this, but like, don't make this mistake. Don't make this mistake. Like this is something sure. that you can avoid, you know? And I think that if, if more, it seems like more people are doing that now, but I think you, you have that kind of like head on straight kind of mus musician. There's a lot of people that aren't like that obviously, and, and that's in any vertical, right? But at the end of the sure. day, um, yeah, I mean, trust me, it's uh, artists, musicians, people, they get a bad rap. They're just like anybody else. Everybody's going to have certain situations. There's good, there's bad, there's ugly. It is what it is. But at the end of the day- Also, you know, you know I think, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I know that like, you know, you hear the fact that like, okay, this guy was a dick and then somebody would be like, maybe he had a bad day. And the other thing that you- have to understand is and and this i think is really hard for people to grasp is that not all creators artists or actors who portray sing this way or act this way or whatever not all of them are people people like they, some of them just are as anxious as you and just are really fucking uncomfortable yeah you know when they're approached and shit and you know so you you really do have to kind of give everybody the the opportunity to be a human being and you know it's it's just a thing it's like you know I'm a different person because I you know I have a switch I mean if I'm having a bad day but you come up to me at, on the street and and ask me for a photo I understand what the impact this photo is having on you if you're a fan of me or whatever and I understand that that's something that in 20 years you'll stumble across that and go, Oh man, that dude was awesome. You know, yeah. some people just don't necessarily think that way or don't even have the ability to do that. And, you know, it's, that's not really their fault. It's not something that I, that I learned in a school or, you know, that I, I was taught or that I even really had to do trial and error from. I, I just am fucking like that. Not everybody in my band is like that. If I'm being completely honest, like, yeah. You know, Chris Burney is the sweetest human being in the world, but he's not the biggest people guy. 
Yeah. He, you know, in a room full of people, he's not going to start the conversation. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Well, but me, you, like, if I'm in a room and it's quiet, I'm fucking talking. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I, a couple of years ago, I started doing a, a lot more like in-person, like seminars, people were asking me to come speak on stage and they would, you know, we would talk about marketing and, you know, for, you know, different formulas that I was using for a lot of our clients and, and, and for myself, how I was growing and things like that. And one thing about me that a lot of people don't know is this, like when I was, well, they, they do now because I talk about it a lot, but when I'm on stage, just like you said, a, a switch flips. And I go into, you know, funny, entertaining, you know, uh, explain, explain the information in a way that the common guy or common gal can understand. And then when I'm off, I can, I'm, I'm still in that mode where I can answer questions to people. And I'm, you know, if there's, you know, when I was in Vegas and I'm getting ready to go back out there again, but when I was in Vegas, I mean, and I got done, it was like three, 400 people in the room. It was like, and you I'm sure I've dealt with this where it was like 20 or 30 people like came closing in on me and I'm like trying to answer everybody's mm -hmm. questions and things of that nature. And I remember getting done and Nikki being like, let's go grab a bite. And I'm like, I can't, I was like, I've got to go back and I got to like take a nap. Like I'm emotionally drained from being yeah. up there because I was switched on. And that I, I don't think unless you, I, I equate it to being on stage performing, like, cause that's really what you're doing when you're up there is you, your brain and your body is, are moving, whether you are aware of it or not. You're draining mm -hmm. energy out of your body that you've never done before. It's like going to the gym and working out. And I will tell you 100% social anxiety disorder, I'm done. Once I'm finished, I'm like, let's get out of here. I can't be around these people. And it's nothing against them. It's that I, I get like panicky. You know what I yeah. mean? I have, I, have, I have the same thing. And uh, not probably not to that extreme, but I, there again, once, <laughs> that's just it, right? It's like once you are on the bus, and nothing against anybody that's ever done this. I'm just, I'm just going to be real for a second. Yeah. And you're in your, you're in your secure zone and you've put on a dry shirt and you sat down, you opened a fresh beer. They just put dinner in front of you and they're like, guys, there's 10 more people outside. Can you just come out and take care of them? I, I'm going to do it, but I will say that I will I will seem different because I've already, yeah. I'm done. You know, like I, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, it's the same thing as anybody else just getting home from work and taking off their shoes and all of that. And then they're like, Hey, uh, you know, we got a business call or I don't know what the equivalent is. Anyway, it's fucking weird. And uh, I handle it as best I can. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll equate it to exactly to what you're talking about. Right. So let's say like, I have somebody who follows me on social media and maybe have gone to those seminars, right? And then they reach out to me and they're like, hey, um, can we meet for coffee? Uh, can I pick your brain for half an hour? You know, shit like that. And then I, I, I eventually got to the point where I, I would say to people, I'm like, I remember making posts and I'm like, don't fucking ask me for coffee to go get coffee with you. Like, mm -hmm. don't ask me to sit and pick my brain for 30 minutes so you can take I can take everything that you're doing, formulate them into ideas for you. And then you take them and you use them. You, you have no value whatsoever. You're not willing to pay me for the, the 30 minutes or hour time that I'm yeah, giving yeah. you a hundred percent attention. And I, two years ago, I flipped it and said, you want me to speak? It's $1,200 an hour. You want to meet with me for 30 minutes? It's 500 bucks. 
And whatever we talk about, it's yours. You can keep it. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. You know what happened after that, Jared? People started paying $1,200 for me to come speak. And people started paying $500 for 30 minutes for me. Yeah. And, 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 I would just say, and I, when people do it now, they're, and I go, I go, cool. You know, there, now there will be people that were, if they're like, Hey, can you want to do a podcast episode? That's a different story. But if you find, I, I get a feeling, you know what I mean? Like we, you, you, sure. you know, that feeling, right. Where you get the feeling you're like, this motherfucker is trying to. Oh, I get the, I get the pick your brain about podcasting. Yeah. yeah. I, I must get that 20 times a week. Like, and it's somebody who knows somebody or something and they're like, Hey, such and such, you know, sent me over. I'm, I'm starting a podcast and I just need to know about gear, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, there's a certain amount of times you'll type all that shit out, you know, but then you're just like, man, I mean, I don't, nobody did that for me. I, I fucking, why'd you, bro, I, here's, here's what I did to solve that problem. Okay. I just had a young lady, great girl, awesome girl, just went through a breakup, lost a bunch of weight, um, shared all the, the whole story of her breakup going online. Great kid, young, younger than us, real estate agent, awesome girl. She goes, hey, Todd, I want to start a podcast. What do I do? I was getting that question a lot, right? So what I did is I took about an hour's time, sat down, and I made a tutorial, a six-minute tutorial, put it on YouTube. And now anybody that ever asks me, how do you start a podcast? I send them that video and I'm like, start with that video. Then when you get done that and you get everything in that video complete, then hit me back and we'll go further. And that works every goddamn time now, dude. So if you've got anybody that does it, I'll send you the link. You just go, you know what? I got a guy who did it in six minutes. Here you go. go. That's I'm doing it. I'm stealing your link and I'm, and I'm fucking doing that from now on. And it's the easiest thing in the world. And that's one of the things people don't realize is that what, that they literally can start a podcast very easily, but they don't, instead of them utilizing the tools, YouTube mm. and Google, which is like the equivalent of your educational degrees now, unfortunately, unless you're a doctor, an attorney or an engineer or a nurse, then you have the ability to go online and learn how to do these things and teach yourselves how to do it. I don't, I, I taught myself graphic design. I taught myself, um, Google AdWords. I told myself Facebook and Instagram advertising. I told myself all those things, creating the podcast mm-hmm. thing. I did that all myself. And yeah, you just have to be willing to bury yourself in a basement and teach yourself how to do these things instead of bothering other people. It's, you can ask those questions, but it's like, my God, man, like have a little bit of understanding about other people's time. And, and I think that's where it comes into play is people don't value other people's time as much as they should. And that's one thing I've learned about myself is that I value everybody's time. Like you asked me, you were like, how long is a podcast episode? And I'm like, goes anywhere between a half an hour and 45 minutes, unless we hit it off. And then sometimes it goes wrong, <laughs> which I yeah. believe that's totally. probably what is happening right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, yeah. That's the thing is like my, uh, I'll, I'll simplify it into, uh, to, uh, to my household. And then I actually do have to wrap up because I got to go pick the kids up from school because I'm a rock star dad. Me too. Uh, but I, um, you got to come on my podcast now. I will come actually. on your podcast. I literally have two baseball games and a birthday today. And that that's, okay. but I will 100% come on your podcast because people used to call me the reputation rock star because I'm all we gotta do it. in that area. So we got to yeah, do it. Definitely do it. My manager once told me, he was like, you know, you've got to put a value on your time and what's worth doing and what's not. Yep, you do. So I started thinking about things like mowing the lawn, picking up the dog shit, 
uh, you know, this or cleaning my pool that I just got, you know, whatever. And I'm like, here's how much it costs to have somebody else do it. And it takes them about 15 minutes and it takes me an hour. There's another hour. There's another hour. And it's like, man, in, in four hours, I can record a song that's ready to go on the radio. I'm not joking. Yep. I can fucking do yep. that. And yeah. so I was yeah. just like, you know what? That's an investment in myself. No reason for me to be out there doing that. And I'm not. No, no. I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent. And, and you know, like it's, we, I don't even know the acreage of our house, but it's a lot of yard. It's a lot of yard. And uh, I admittedly do not want to fucking mow it or weed it or mulch it or any of that. So, but I have yeah. massive value in going, I'd rather pay this guy $200 to get it done. Right. So it looks yeah. good. Nikki's happy because I know that that hour, two hours is in me is better spent doing what I do for everybody. 100%. So there's 100%. no question about it. We're going to end it like this. We're going to do uh, overrated and underrated. All right. I'm going to do three overrated, three underrated. And you tell me if they're overrated or underrated. So basically, it's six things. Ready? Okay. Garbage pill kids. Uh, garbage pill. Wow. Uh, Probably overrated, uh, but I, I I really liked Garbage Pail Kids, but I don't know. Probably overrated. Okay, Garbage Pail Kids overrated. Uh, GoBots. GoBots underrated, overshadowed by Transformers. That was a really good one. I like that one too. Let's say Pogs because we talked about Pogs. Pogs. Uh, Underrated, undervalued these days too. Yo-yos. Uh, underrated. Oh my god, it's like the best toy ever. Juggling sticks. Uh, overrated. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we'll do the last one. Um, beanie caps. Uh, those are underrated because you look snazzy. The only reason that I have to wear this hat right now is because I'm currently growing my hair out to the length of probably around the shoulder. So if you look yeah, my hair, which is, I consider my hair is like my superpower when I go into meetings and stuff like that. It really is one of the things where uh, it closes deals sometimes. There's no question yeah. about it. But uh, beanie caps, I can tell you right now for me, they are massively underrated just because I can get away with going into places nowadays with beanie caps on and a little bit of hair hanging out. And it does wonders for absolutely everything. Um, yeah. The hair on my face Cause it's crazy. And I know that you, you've had your hair massively long before, although your hairstyle, it should be patented because I don't believe anybody else. There have been people that have tried to copy your hairstyle. Yeah. But your hairstyle yeah. is one in a million. Well, and what's funny is this is the first time that, uh, so as we're t- doing this interview, this is the first time that I can remember that that my hair is its natural color because I didn't color it during COVID. Yeah, right. And I had a haircut. So this is my actual natural color. Uh, that'll change soon. But yeah, I used to, um, I used, I would do my hair a certain way, and then when I would come back to go on tour, there'd be three kids with that haircut. And you I know, always just thought, I always thought Mitch kind of bit off your haircut. <laughs> uh, I don't think you don't so. have to I, comment. You don't have to comment, but I think he knows he did. <laughs> I don't know about that, but we'd have to I, ask Butch Walker that because Butch Walker's in the middle of you guys. It was, yeah. you know what I mean. So it's like you, Mitch, and then Butch is right here in the middle. I think Butch yeah, would that, have to be the deciding factor. Butch would probably side. Butch would probably side with me, but 
I don't know who's like, but I think he would, uh, dude. I think you had that. I think you had that do before he did. <laughs> I think me and Mitch are long lost brothers, man. We sound he's alike. Good, he's, you know, we, uh, he's still got great hair. I love it. What a great human being that guy is. Dude, man. Such, such a great guy. I mean, there's one, no question. That's that, that would be one of those guys that we'll talk, we'll talk to you after, uh, and he doesn't even know you. He'll talk to you after a concert and everything. Amazing. Story. He's one of those guys. He's like one of my managers. One of my managers is so nice that sometimes it, and, and just the way that he sells it, like I'm a really nice guy, but I think people don't think I'm fucking with them. Yeah. The, Mitch is so nice that like sometimes you're, and then he's also, but he's from Maryland. So he's also to the point, doesn't tiptoe a lot. So right. sometimes he can come across as, as like a, a, okay, is he fucking with me right now? Yeah. <laughs> What is he, what's happening? But he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's a good one. One of my favorites. And, you know, to this day, um, you know, will still thank me and everything, you know, just be like, you know, I, I wouldn't be anywhere if Bowling for Soup didn't do my song. Thank you, Jarrett, you know, yada, yada. And now he's gone on to write huge hits with Jason oh. uh, and, and Demi Lovato and, you know, all Demi this. Lovato, yeah, all that stuff. And, and and don't take away right now was a great song. He wrote, I mean, right now was it was it was it was amazing. Oh my god, yeah. The the um, tomorrow was a great song. The that second tomorrow was good. Second record was great. A little, uh, 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 I think they they tried to change a little too much, but it had um, a lot of it had a lot of John Allen drummer mm, in in that. Right. And John Allen, another one. He's another, he's another yeah. great Maryland boy. Talented, he's, talented guy, man. Another one, dude. I, I feel like he's maybe, maybe right on the cusp. He might, he might be a little ahead of his time to be quite honest with you. I will save my Sebastian Bach story for okay. my episode on your, on your, on your podcast, because I met Sebastian okay. Bach and had a okay. long conversation with him at a bar one time. And it was, it was amazing that same story um, that I, that I talked to him, but Jared, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. I can't thank you enough for taking this time. Um, I know you hey, guys. Thank go. you. Yeah, man. I and, do, uh, I'm sure this, I'm sure this won't be the last episode that we have you on because I had an absolute blast. We still have a lot to talk about when it comes to toys and, you know, everything basically that was good about the eighties and nineties uh, other yeah. than you. Uh, man, bring, me, bring, bring me back anytime, man. And uh, we'll get you on rockstar dad soon. And, uh, Everybody go check me out, jarrettreddick.com. You can find all my music, all my podcasts, all of my, you can find commercials that I do that you didn't even know I did. And uh, it's, it's a fun ride, jarrettreddick.com. Yeah, and be sure to follow Jared on Instagram. Um, definitely go follow him on TikTok. He's going to have to get his TikTok game up. I'll probably have to- I got to get about that. We got to do all that. And um, the, new, the new single that's out? Getting old sucks, but everybody's doing it. Please go watch that. I'm going to go post it on my Facebook. Um, I'm going to link, I'm going to link to the, the YouTube uh, channel and my Instagram story. So you guys can swipe up and you can go watch it. It's fucking amazing. It's awesome. Um, if you guys like, like the puppet, like Muppet kind of like feel, you're going to love that. Like it's a, it's a really good take on the creative, um, especially from a marketing standpoint. It just really keeps your attention. Go check that video out, go download it on Spotify um, you know, Bowling for Soup has been around for almost 20, 27 years, almost 27 years now. Almost 27. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they're still going, um, and there's something to be said for that, especially from an entrepreneurial standpoint, good things last, no question about it. Jared, thanks again, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to the bad reputation podcast. 
Be sure to leave us a review and share what you may have learned with someone else today. Remember, your reputation is everything.